0: Brilliant Minds is so much more than a two-day creativity and thought leadership gathering in Stockholm. It's a 365-day, year-round journey. It's the journey of our founders, Spotify's Daniel Eck and Ash Pornori, the journey of our board, team members, the young entrepreneurs we meet year-round whose ideas will change the world. In a small way, it's also my journey, my journey as CEO, as a working mother, as a child of immigrants, as a person who really believes that bringing people together and uplifting each other can make the world better, this podcast is our collective journey. Brilliant Minds is about building collective voice and community everywhere we go and sharing the bold voices in that community who aren't afraid to challenge the way things have always been done in order to create things that have never been imagined before. In this podcast, I hope you join me in cities around the world where I'll exclusively interview some of the most creative people, men and women, young and old, across all sectors, fashion, art, tech, music, science, business, food. People that share the values of brilliant minds like transparency, gender equality, social justice, compassion, and a love of the environment. People that aren't afraid to use their voice for change. Follow me at other great tech events, art summits, media gatherings, where I'll give you an inside scoop on where the future is going and how you can help shape it. Join me in the Brilliant Minds podcast on the go around the world. I can't wait to hear what you think along the way. here with Evan Ryan who is an assistant secretary of state for education and culture and is also one of the founding members of the women in public service project which is such a fantastic fantastic thing and i'll say this as someone who last year vowed she would not join any more women's things <laughs> because sometimes they just it's very hard to find kind of the pulse. And like, what is the thing that really makes a difference? Right. And I think it's what you're doing. Well, thank you. I think it's all about young people, education, and exchanges. Thank you. So could you you tell me a little bit of, Evan, like, why are you here today? Why did you decide to join this effort?
1: And how does it tie into what you do every day at the State Department? So the Women in Public Service Project is something that I was really interested in uh, as soon as I came to the State Department. First of all, it's a legacy program of Secretary Clinton who really saw the value in women being a part of government, being a part of public service, being a part of civil society. And we here in the United States have some great models in that regard, like Secretary Clinton, Jane Harman, the President here at the Wilson Center, Secretary Albright, Secretary Rice, And I think it was really important to share that model with women around the world. The idea that it's very important that women's voices are at the table. Because when it comes right down to it, and decisions are being made in governments about the future of a country, women's voices often are the only voices that are going to represent what families need, what children may need, the future of the country. So the Women in Public Service Project really embodies that and helps make sure that we are doing our part as the United States to empower women globally to make them a part of that larger dialogue.
0: This sounds a bit cheesy, but go with it. Um, (laughs) Where did you find your voice? You're obviously very successful. You've worked for John Kerry, you've worked for... Vice President Biden John Kerry actually was my first boss I was an intern on the Hill okay I will say that was my kind of millennial moment where I realized oh wait a second there is a lot of gender bias out there, not from Senator Kerry at the time and his staff, but just being in the Senate. Right. I grew up on the South Side of Chicago, where I had a lot of. My mom was the breadwinner. There was a lot of strong Black women, a lot right. of strong Latina women, and then coming to D.C., I had a bit of this. Oh my God! Then I had a child at 25, and uh-huh. oh my God, kind of like really went yes, wild. Right. But it's
1: tough. It is. It can be um, tough. That's where true. Where do
0: you find that kind of strength?
1: Well, I, I have told you always, this. Had it? Well, no, no, and I, well, two things. Um, I'm. I actually benefited. I went to an all-girls high school and I think that played a big role as an adolescent Mm -hmm. girl Mm -hmm. in feeling that anything was possible. Obviously student government we were all young women, the school newspaper was run run by women, Um, there was none of the sort of strange teenage Mm self-consciousness and so I think that did play Mm -hmm. a role, Um, but another very important role I tell people is my first job out of college was working for Hillary Clinton when she was first lady Mm -hmm. and I was able to work for her for seven years and as my first professional experience, that was a real um, huge benefit because it really taught me by example, because it wasn't just Hillary Clinton as First Lady. But her entire team was this team of very strong, engaged, empowered, and um, smart women. And they served as wonderful models for me. Mm -hmm. And to this day, they've remained a really important network for me. Um, And these women really helped guide me and give me advice, and I think helped me find my voice.
0: Absolutely. Secretary Clinton and Milan. Yes, exactly. really fantastic, fantastic women. Exactly. I always used to say, I mean, not to get political, but during the election... There's these articles would come out in the New York Times about young women not really connecting with Hillary, and I used to go out and say like, you know, when I was in Sweden at the embassy, Mark was the ambassador. She came and four months into our time there, I thought I would be able to have this role. It was really not what uh-huh. I thought. Right. And she came and she totally empowered me oh, in front see? of the entire embassy community. Right. She said, "Mark will be a good ambassador. I know him. Natalia is going to be ten times better. Oh, I hope so you guys." What- <laughs> It was it made
1: the four years. Isn't that amazing? And And she recognizes that. Well, she does recognize how what a difference that will make. And that's what's really great. Because when you have someone who's in a position of power, who recognizes you, recognizes your talent, uh, but also broadcasts Mm -hmm. that in the way that she did, that can make a huge difference. And she's she's seen it through much Mm -hmm. of her life. So I think she's really good about identifying.
0: What's the one thing you try to do in a daily way? Is it it this, shining a light on women? I mean, what works amongst all the buzzwords? Right. Sponsorship, mentorship.
1: Well, I'll go back to one of the things that you talked about initially, which is what I oversee in the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs are really the U.S. government exchange programs. And I think it's been so important, especially for young women around the world, to come here to the United States and see where we are with women. You know, you and I, as we well know, um, we've made enormous strides, but we still, have a, you know, we still have progress to make. Still, the women around the world who come here to the United States will come here and see that Almost all of the time, we're advanced compared mm-hmm. to other countries. Almost all of the time around the world. So for those young women to come here, see what what women offer on a day-to-day basis in work, in life, in government, and see that women's voices are a, a big part of the day-to-day life of society and dialogue and media and discourse, I think is just an example that can be set. And then they go back feeling empowered, just as you mm. described, feeling that sense of there, there's more possibility for them and that they can play a bigger role back at home. So that's why we believe exchange programs are so important, especially mm. for young women.
0: I know you have to run back to the State Department, so I will ask you one sure. question. Perhaps kind of an ending inspiration, what's a story of, you've traveled all over the world, you've met so many amazing right. young people everywhere, what's a story that kind of touches your heart where you say, this is this is why I did this job. These are hard jobs working in the administration. Yes. This was worth it.
1: There's so many great stories because I have been really... Um, I've been very fortunate in being able to travel to all the regions uh, in the world that we cover. Um, there's one story that, I, that, that does stick with me. Um, we teach English language, we run, we run exchange programs, and one young girl um, from Lebanon, she described the English language program that she took part in, uh, where we taught her English. And she said, learning English for me was like climbing a tree and finally being able to actually see the world. And it just made a world of difference to understand the impact that our programs can have on one person and how that will change her life and trajectory and how it will open her world. Uh, just there's nothing that can feel better than that. So we're, we're really grateful to be able to work with these people all across the globe. We bring 50,000 people here every year from all over the world. And we're our hope is that we're able to touch each person in that way.
0: Thank you so much, Evan. You've Thank done you. an enormous job.
1: Thank you, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you. back.
0: So is this a particularly, would you say, unique moment? Has this happened for? Or is this cyclical and maybe people are getting overly dramatic about but Dramatic is not the right word um, because it is a time of anxiety. But you hear some saying, look, this happens. It happens in history. You it's an Trump's... economic downturn. Yeah, just the political feeling, the populism everywhere. Or I think, is this unique I think it, and we should be worried?
2: I think it's unique in that I don't think we've ever seen a— president like president trump this is something um you know when we talk about disruption Mm -hmm. disruptive forces out there in in the economy this is a disruption to to washington that i don't think we've encountered in modern times i mean certainly going back historically so yeah it's um i think it's very significant and very distinctive and it has a lot of people rattled i think that's fair to say uh, it's rattled a lot of people
0: I want to move to a topic we both love, which is entrepreneurship. Okay. So a little bit away from politics, closer to entrepreneurship. You've recently kind of taken a new, exciting entrepreneurial venture with your partner Patty Sellers, and you know I always say, as as a child of two immigrants um, from Eastern Europe, I grew up in Chicago. From a young age, it's not just because I landed in Sweden, that's a big tech place, but I always saw entrepreneurship as a form of empowerment. I mean, the immigrants in America integrated because of entrepreneurship and my parents worked full-time jobs were engaged in politics and were starting companies and businesses and buying real estate and it was really amazing and you know i've always seen now i think we're at a stage where we hear these amazing statistics of because of the internet and because because we have digitalization women can work from home or they can do it on flexible timing you see this surge of of female entrepreneurs. I mean, women are starting businesses at twice the rate of men. And I think if I'm correct, the statistics prove that female-run businesses actually survived much better through the recession. They were leaner. They were kind of more fiscally responsible. So I say all that with the vein that you are, in 2016, so last year, Mm -hmm. started a new venture kind of focused around this concept of storytelling, which I want to talk a little bit more about. But tell me about that and why you decided to do it and how's it going? Well, thanks for that intro on yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Yes, we, uh,
2: after 35 years uh, as news media personalities, my fo- fellow f- uh, former senior editor at Fortune, Patty Sellers, and I started Sellers Easton Media. Um, and by the way, just a, a note to women, so we were looking at names for our com- company and uh, we ran into some Trademark issues on some names, and um, so we finally thought, let's just name it after ourselves. All the men said, "Yes, that's what you need to do." <laughs> they were the ones who were boosters for that. So we thought it was I sort know. of a we thought it was just a point of power to name it after ourselves. What we are is a private storytelling company um, designed to capture the legacies of people who have made an impact, Mm. uh, whether in business, philanthropy, and so on. And the idea is that there's so many incredible stories out there about people who have helped build this country and other countries that aren't told. So, um, you know, you might, we we just saw the Warren Buffett documentary Mm -hmm. on HBO. Well, not everybody's Warren Buffett and going to have a big documentary made on him. Nevertheless, there are incredible, there are people who've Absolutely. built institutions. And as my partner likes to say, Patty likes to say, nobody was born great. I yeah. mean they did, they built enterprises against headwinds, against doubters. It wasn't easy. They might have gone bankrupt. They might have to immigrate here. Whatever. Whatever your story is, it's an incredible story. Um, there are incredible stories out there to be told by leaders, by people who've really made an impact. And so we um, we craft um, Bio, small, short bio documentaries based on our interviews and uh, put it together in a with B roll and photos and all in a in a um, in a nice film that you can either have live online so that Mm. it's searchable by historians as well as your grandkids. So you actually you, you might have played a role in some piece in history and no one knows that about you and you know it's findable or you might just want it for your your children, your grandchildren, and, and you might be very private, but you want to pass down that not only your legacy, but life lessons to the next generation. So we do that both in film form and we do it, we do an illustrated memoir as well, where we'll write a piece. We don't do full-fledged autobiographies, but we'll do like a 10,000 word beautifully reported piece with, um in a book, a uh, self-published book with photos and so forth. So it's been um, that's cool. It's been a very cool venture. Um, we, I think, having been around these women at our Fortune conferences, who run their businesses and take risks, Um, we were like, why not us at this period in our lives? I felt like there's another chapter left in my life after all these years in the media. According
0: to Google, apparently, you know, we'll all be living to 200 very soon. Right.
2: But our brains won't. Yeah,
0: we'll have some kind of half function. So we'll see. (laughs) What has been the best part of running your own company and what's the hardest? Because sometimes it's easy. Like I, I always laugh, but, you know, kind of People will say, oh, you should work from working from home or working for yourself. That's great. Yeah. It's not easy either way, you know. And so there's pros and cons.
2: So the best – I think the best part is it is being your own boss, honestly. But your boss is also your client, so you're never never your own boss. Um, I liked – the best part is having a partner that I trust, uh, that I've come to appreciate on so many levels – and we're both strong personalities. Mm. I mean, it's mm. you know, it, it wasn't necessarily going to be ideal, but I think we've been in all these situations since we opened, uh, been about nine months now, um, and uh, y- you know, faced a lot of challenges together, and really appreciate each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I really, um, that's really fun. The challenge, um, the challenge is we are doing something completely new. Mm. It's not. It's not like something that's out there and people say, "Oh, I see, you know, so and so did this. Hmm. Um, I need it too." You kind of people. You have to convince people of the need, even though we know that there is a need, um, and we believe that people should be capturing and preserving their legacies and passing them on. But because it's we're in a totally new sphere of Mm -hmm. offerings, um, it's just it's a new. Uh, we're carving new ground, and that's truly a challenge, yeah.
0: Are women good at telling their own stories? And are we even kind of allowed to? Or is that promoting yourself too much? (laughs) So
2: I don't think they are good at telling their own stories. And I've had um, CEOs say things like, don't be that forgettable woman at the table taking notes. Uh, You know, women do need to lean forward in their image as much as anything in there. And one of the things we've started are... Essentially, video resumes for women who want to get on boards or want to become CEOs, because well, first of all, resumes are yesterday's news, yes. right? In the digital age, who like is going to like you know plow through a resume? But a video, I think, enables if it's done at with the right hands. Like so, because we've interviewed so many people on stage and in print and on video, we know how to get people's stories. Mm out we help them get them out so I think if we we help people tell their story on film and then you cut that down to kind of like a video resume mm-hmm. short video resume I think it, it's very compelling and it's been interesting because women do need help doing that and it's absolutely it's so
0: hard because I don't want to put the onus on us I will say my god the shit that rains down on me sometimes like don't don't you know cuz I, I will be self-effacing like don't cut yourself down in a speech and make fun of yourself but then you know you're really promoting yourself too much don't be high don't be low yeah. i mean it's i think Cheryl Sandberg wrote this like with Adam Grant you know about a year ago it's a it's a dance it's lean it in lean dance. out lean side you know that's exactly right and i it's, think it it's is a dance it is exhausting sometimes
2: and i think the other thing that has come up in conversations about this is that should a woman show vulnerability and people exactly. we're all told now in storytelling, show vulnerability, show authenticity. And I had a question from an audience. This one woman described this incredibly awful period she had with her child. And she just went through – it was so awful. She went through trauma. And I said, you should talk about it. But she didn't want to talk about it because she didn't want to look like it was affecting her work. These, like you say, that's a dance. That's very hard mm. to calculate how much of yourself you show and how much you don't show. Uh, and I think we're still working our way through it. But I think it's good to, for women to show some vulnerability if they want to help other women up along the way. Uh, probably it's not good to show vulnerability to people who might be hiring you. But if, if you're in a setting where there's young women looking – younger mm-hmm. women looking up to you, I think it's really good to show that vulnerability and let them know that you have faced that
0: as well. I think it's, it's – you know, I want to poke further into this because I think it's definitely something you see that's, you know, beyond prevalent in D.C., especially in my, – my sister-in-law, Mika, does a lot of these panels and things. And we used to laugh, like, for years. Like, you'd get four women and they're perfect they're perfect. They rose very easily. They're in Congress. They have 17 kids and they do it perfectly. Right. Nothing. And, you know, Mika's total other extreme and so am I. We always talk about like, oh my God, you know, when I fainted here or when, you know, my child did this. And yeah. usually I think almost always it works to be authentic, but you do have to be careful because you do get that you like, do. she's hysterical. Right. <laughs> she's neurotic. I think that's know? exactly right. <laughs> so I guess I, I come back to it and say, you know, if you were to advise, you, you answered this a bit already, but First, how would you advise young women? Also, but how do you kind of uh, regulate regulate it yourself? Do you talk about your failures? Um, do you talk about your weaknesses publicly? Oh, I have none. <laughs> I know. I, have, I can tell. This is why. <laughs>
2: uh, I certainly do. I talk about them with my, you know, with trusted people, mm. with younger women. Uh, I love being around students, and mm. and one of the things that I always say. And it sounds like you use a four-letter word. Do you-, you go for it. Are you serious? Oh yeah, this is so a podcast. I was in this. Yeah, place. So I was in a. Uh, I was, in a uh, setting at Harvard with uh, this room full of seventy William wim- oh. I was in this room full of women at Harvard, seventy women sort of hanging off the rafters, wanting to know jam-packed room. It was myself and another woman, and they wanted to. Uh, they basically wanted to know that path that path, yes. especially since they're at Harvard. <laughs> they want to know that path to success, like they, you're supposed to draw the line for them. And I said to them, you know what? The main thing to know, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in my case, I went through a grueling divorce, mm. uh, really turn, upended my life. Yeah. And that was a difficult moment, but it changed me. I got over it, I got up, I dusted myself off, and I moved on. And I had two little kids at the time. Mm. It wasn't easy. Yeah. And So th- you can't regulate everything in your life. And then the other thing that's happened on a more recent level is the news media has been completely disrupted. Mm. And the life, if you had asked me 10 or 12 or 15 years ago what I would be doing, I'd say, well, I'd probably still be doing TV commentary. I'd be doing these big, beautiful cover stories in, in Fortune. I'd be writing a column. And there's no appetite for th- Those kinds of Mm. writings anymore. So it's, uh, you've got to be able, you've got to be nimble. My advice to women is to be nimble to change with the times and to know that your path is not going to be set in stone. It's going to change, take advantage of the opportunities, be willing to take Mm. a risk. Uh, It'll all work out in the end.
0: What's your secret? Why are you, I hate that question sometimes, but what are the set of decisions or the set of forks in the road that have gotten you to where you are? And, you know, you may not want to say, but I can say, you know, as an extremely, you're extremely successful, kind of well-known journalist, activist, ever, you know, very, very successful woman. Um, What do you think either about your own personality or about kind of your life arc got you to this place where we're sitting right now? Well, I'll,
2: I'll actually borrow what Madeline Albright said to me last week, which is um, obviously I'm no Madeline Albright, but um, I work really hard. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I." It's what she said, the same thing. I work really hard. Uh, I read a lot mm. in my profession. I, um, you know, it's important as it, the level of journalist I was. I mean, you you need to read a lot. Um, and I uh, I prepare and. You know, I, I have
0: a vision for where I want to go. I mean, you're very busy. So, as I as I say, <laughs> rattle <laughs> your ear off here. Um, I'm going to turn it around on you as you work on people's legacies and storytelling. What do you want yours to be?
2: Well, I would love to be known as somebody who who told great stories. And I don't just mean my company. I mean, as a as a author and a magazine writer and a journalist. I would like to be known as somebody who um, told great stories that impacted other people's lives, um, who brought uh, – I, I always thought of myself as a journalist as somebody who challenged conventional wisdom. I never just said the, what you expected mm-hmm. to say. I, I always challenged conventional wisdom. Um, so I, I guess I want to be known for that. And then I want to be known for – Paying it forward with mm. women. Um, when I retire, I want to be teaching girls in a, in a high school or young women in a college in a place where the windows aren't open to the world. And you can actually, and I can open that window to them because I've I've watched that process. Mm. And there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing a young woman or a teenage girl open that window and see that she has opportunity ahead of her that she didn't see before.
0: Thank you so much, Nina. You're fantastic. And I can say this on behalf of many women, thank you for the work you do.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been fabulous to be here. Good luck.